Transition and your career, this time on Career Opportunities. Helping to build the career you deserve. This is Career Opportunities for March 1st, 2015. This is a recording of my live presentation to Open Ventura County, the Outstanding Professionals Employment Network in Simi Valley, California. Recorded February 27th, 2015. My name is Douglas E. Welch. Uh, you can find out everything, probably more than you ever wanted to know about me over at DouglasEWelch.com. I started out as an IT person back in the um, early to mid 80s, worked in corporate life for a long time, went freelance about 15 to 17 years ago. At the same time, I started writing about careers. I've been writing a, a career column called Career Opportunity since 1997, and in 2004, I began podcasting that same column as I was one of the first 20 podcasters once that term was actually coined back in 2004. I'm in transition myself. And I'll explain to you in a little bit that we actually all are, all the time. I am moving out of my computer support world of crawling underneath desks, plugging in routers, setting up computers, basically what I call under the desk work. And over the last several years, I've been transitioning into above the desk work, working on new media, social media, podcasting, YouTube channels, all those other things that I've been doing over the last several years. Now, what that means though, is that I often talk with people in transition because I myself am in transition. Now, I want to say to you, though, the fact is transition is not what we've come to believe a short-term process, something we enter into and we get through and then it's done. That's really not the way to think about transition. Life is one long transition, okay? And I know that sounds a little frightening because we're always out there looking for stability. Since we were living in the cave with the saber-toothed cat outside the door growling at us, we have sought stability and security in our lives. And back then, that was a wise goal because if you didn't, you got et and the next person took your place, right? These days, I'm not so sure that that's the most appropriate goal for us in our lives and our careers. We want stability, but the fact is, as I'll show over the next uh, couple of minutes here, stability really doesn't exist. Stability is a continuum. If you think about a waveform, a sound wave or a radio wave, it's an oscillating wave. That's exactly the way stability and transition work in our lives. They are an oscillation, constant. So much of our lives are spent in cycles. Cyclical nature of the world is just something we live with from the very, very basics of our life. And transition and stability are no different. We're always somewhere on this continuum. Now we're still, I think in today's world, even in the 40-some years I've been in the job market, I've recognized that stability and thinking about stability as the end goal can actually be a trap. And I'm going to explain why that is a little bit further on in the talk. Now, the reason we always seek out stability is, of course, that big F word. And I'm not talking about that F word. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Although... 
we often say it with the same intonation in our voice. And every, anyone guess what that F word is? Fear. Fear. Fail's a good one too, though. Fear. Fear is a very human instinct. We have an innate fight or flight response to fear. Do I need to stand and put up my fist or do I run? There's a great joke about the two guys hiking in the woods and they come across a bear and the bear starts to growl and one friend quickly reaches into his backpack and puts on his running shoes and the other friend's like, what are you doing? You can't outrun the bear. And the guy says, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. <laughs> okay? Fear is a strong motivator in our lives. You might be thinking, especially those amongst you who are you know, recent layoffs, I can't be in transition forever or I will go crazy. And I'm here to tell you, <clears throat> you will be in transition forever, but you won't go crazy. If you approach transition as something that is normal, that is actually useful in your life, you won't go crazy. Yes, it'll be scary. Yes, it'll be a little bit annoying, having been through layoffs myself and job transitions of all sorts, but it will not kill you, and it will not drive you crazy. You're not going to be struggling like this forever. Okay, That's simply not the way it works. Again, that cycle comes around, and sometimes it can feel like it's never going to come back around, but I can guarantee you I will. That ebb and flow is just a natural part of life. It will always be there. Sometimes I get the response from people that I'm scared because I'm out of control. And that's a feeling you get when you're in transition. You feel out of control. You feel like everyone's pushing you this way and that way and life is flipping you upside down and everything. It doesn't mean you don't have control. You still have control over a large part of your lives, but you have to exercise that control. And that's where I see a lot of people struggle, is they begin to internalize the fact that, oh, I have no control. It's up to whatever. Whatever spiritual beings you believe in, whatever, uh, whatever, uh, whatever nature you believe in, it's all up to that. And the fact is, it isn't. Okay? And you need to be aware of that. Everything you do from moment to moment affects your transition and where you will go. Down to the fact that someone was saying they decided they didn't want to work in banks anymore. They were there. That's an important decision to make. That's an important thought to have. You are at a time when transition is giving you an opportunity. It may not seem like it, because you know it can be really scary again. You're given an opportunity here to reevaluate what you were doing. And that's because when we are in a job, most of us simply stop thinking about the job. I have a job. I don't need to worry about that anymore. I have that level of stability. Whew, I'm done. And I want to tell you that's probably not the best take. I counsel people that you're always looking for the next great job. Even if you think you have a great job, there are things outside your control which can suddenly take that job away from you. And so you should always be looking for the next great opportunity. And that's a phrase I use a lot, opportunity, because there are so many opportunities that walk into our lives on a daily basis that we simply ignore. I have an entire talk I give on how to accept and recognize opportunity into your life. And 
it's because people often, when presented with opportunity, that F word pops up again, that fear word, oh, it's too much, I can't do that, it's a whole different industry, and it's a whole different job, and, I, I, and, and we simply shut it down. You don't want to do that. You want to see your transition as an opportunity to research and look at new and different outlooks on your life and your career. It's very important that you pay attention, deep attention, to the world around you. It can feel sometimes like we're walking through a bit of a haze. And if I just got to get through this process and I'll go to open and I'll do this and I'll fill out the forms and, and, and we just kind of zombie walk through the process. You have to engage with transition. And that can be hard sometimes because we are kind of on our back foot. We're a little off balance. We're a little worried. We're a little fearful. Uh, we're a little down. I, myself, I freely admit I can be a bit depressive at times. And I have to watch that. I have to recognize when I'm feeling that thing come on and use various methods of dealing with that. Because it's a very, actually a very common response to challenges in our life, especially job transitions. And you do have to be aware of that. It's not something to ignore. It's not something to feel embarrassed about either. We were having an entire discussion at the conference I was at on Wednesday about why do people have such a difficult time talking about their careers. It's because we tend to be embarrassed. And I've worked so hard in my columns over the years to break through that level of embarrassment. And the level of embarrassment isn't even about being out of a job or in a job. It's about not having the best job or not having the right job or not having a job as good as my neighbor. Or There are so many ways that we kind of internalize this embarrassment. And again, that's something I feel very keenly in my own self. I have kind of that embarrassment thing going on sometimes. And I have to actively fight against that and say there's nothing to be embarrassed about. What you are going through is something that everyone goes through. From the time we enter the job market to the time we leave, we are faced with transition of all sorts. Now, whether that can be a layoff or a company closing, or it can be a promotion. It can be good things, too, that can scare us, that we can feel a little embarrassed about. Oh, gosh, I, I sort of have imposter syndrome. I, I don't know if I really do that job. You know, I, I haven't done that job before. And you, you've experienced, we've all experienced that that, that feeling of not quite feeling it yet, you know? If you ignore transition, you are basically saying to those around you and the world, you figure it out. Here. You're giving up your power in the process. You're giving up your control in the process, and you're putting it in someone else's hands. Now, something I write about in my column all the time is if you do not manage your career, there are hundreds of people out there who will gladly manage it for you. Your boss will manage it for you. Your family will manage it for you. Your spouse will manage it for you. Your kids will manage it for you. Everyone loves to mess with your career if you don't do it. Okay? And the scary fact is I see so many people do that every single day. They give up control over their career. The most common situation is we enter the job market. Oh, that job's available? Okay, take that job. Uh, oh, that job's available? Okay, I'll take that job. Oh, that job? Oh, and they simply ping pong, boing, 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 bounce from job to job. They wake up 20 years into their career and go, how the heck did I get here? 
I don't even like doing this work. Why am I here? It's my goal in all of my writing and all of my speaking is to prevent that from ever happening again. I want you to manage your career, to pay attention to your career, to evaluate a position uh, that is offered to you and feel free to say no. It's in that no that you have the power to control your career. I'm not saying you say no to everything. I have a a little book that I've written called The Career Compass, which is all about exploring what you want to do. Not just your work, but actually looking at your whole life and saying, what do I enjoy most? I like working with kids. I don't like working with kids. I like working at the computer. I don't like working at the computer. And so on and so forth. And part of that is so people can have a little rubric, a little compass that says, here's a position I'm being offered. Where does it fall on my compass? Is it north? Is it where I want to go in my career? Is it on the route I'm headed? Or is it totally to the south? Too often, and the whole reason the compass metaphor came up is I see people going in exactly the opposite direction of where they want to go. We humans are silly beings sometimes. We often do things that are against our own self-interest. But if we pay attention to them, if we engage in transition, if we think about our careers, we can avoid the majority of those issues, and I will even use the word mistakes. We all make mistakes in our life and in our, in our careers. My goal is to keep those as few and far between as possible. <laughs> okay? It's like when I'm, <clears throat> when I'm driving down the freeway and someone is doing something stupid, I say, you know, I didn't do something stupid today. I have done stupid things on the freeway before. I must freely admit that. We all do. But I try to keep those at a bare minimum. Okay? And when I do them, I recognize them and move on. You need to think the same way about your career. You can make mistakes. It's okay. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's a great book I, I often refer to by um, Susie, either Susie Hogshead or Sally Hogshead. I think it's Susie. Um, it's called Radical Careering. And it's a, a book of kind of pithy, graphic quotes and, and, and short little uh, thoughts about your career. And I was flipping through it, and there's one page I came across that said simply, it's not your fault for being in a crappy career. It's your fault for staying in a crappy career. <laughs> and I want you to internalize that fact. Ending up in a job that doesn't suit you is not necessarily due to your own inaction. Being laid off is often not due to any action on your part. I've been in that situation and you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> I did what I was supposed to do, but the company didn't do what it was supposed to do. So here I am. Staying in that situation, staying in a bad job, not dealing with your transition, not dealing with your layoff is where you are actually failing. And I want you to understand that you don't have to do that. You have the power in your hands to move through this process and to come out the other side. You can change it. You can affect it. If you choose things, you are taking in that power that is so important in your life. Too many people simply accept their fate as a fait accompli. Oh, well, that's where it is. Okay. And that, that's where they leave it. Can't do that. You simply can't do that. Been in that situation myself done that exact same thing. And by the way, everything I talk about here, yeah, I've been through it too. Uh, we, I, I've done everything I talk about. That's where everything I write and speak about comes from is something that's happened to me. Don't simply accept it as a fait accompli. 
use it as a springboard to something better. If you have any questions, please feel free to jump in. Yes? You've mentioned engage or engagement. <coughs> I hear that word a lot. Like in, actually, I had an informational interview last week at a company, and she was the director of learning, organizational learning and mm -hmm. engagement. Mm -hmm. And I asked her what she meant by, or what that meant in her title. So I'm hearing the word a lot. I use it. But since you brought it up, and how do you say get engaged with the, I mean, are you going to talk about how to, how we as individuals, you see it, us getting engaged with that transition? Yeah, and I can talk about it right now, actually. Engagement is the fact of when you're here, I'm just going to throw off some off the top of my head some ideas. Engagement is sitting at the Starbucks and hearing someone talk about something that you're interested in and leaning over and say, oh, really? Do you, you're interested in that too? It is talking with your friends and your family about what they think you might do at, with this time in your life and what they would like to see you accomplish. It's about looking outside your current realm and engaging in industries and jobs and technologies that perhaps you haven't looked at before. And at the very core, it's about simply being in the moment, in the present, and aware of your surroundings. There's another term you'll often hear called mindfulness. And mindfulness, you can go to the woo-woo spectrum on mindfulness, or you can go to the concrete side. For me, mindfulness is just about knowing where you are in the world, knowing what is going on around you and not simply letting the world you've all seen the movies where the the person the actor is standing still and the world's just flying by them and totally unbeknownst to them or whoever they're passing that's not being engaged that's not being mindful it's simply letting the world swirl by in a cloud instead of picking out those things that can actually benefit you and be useful to you does that help you don't want to be reactive totally. I think I talk about that a little bit. You, you want to be proactive is the other word. And a lot of these terms have kind of negative connotations. Empowerment, win-win, proactive. I still use them because at their very heart they do have a meaning. Proactive means when you hear someone talking about something at the Starbucks and engaging in a conversation with someone. I'm often very fond of saying you don't know where your next job is coming from. It could just as easily come from the person sitting next to you at the coffee shop as it will from an ad in the newspaper or nowadays online. You can tell how old I am. I still talk about ads in newspapers. Uh, an ad on monster.com. And in fact, I find that the chances of getting a job are actually better in those types of situations where you have an individual direct connection with someone. The chances of getting a job are much higher than being one in the slush pile that gets put into Monster or these other online services. And I've actually written an article about that, about, you know, look for things outside uh, these typical venues that you're sent to. Every day we have the similar situation where, you know, you're offered a job at another bank. And it's a, you know, a decent job, but you've seen the problem. You've seen the sausage being made, uh, as, we, as we say. And you're not inclined to go back into that world because you see fundamental problems that might exist in that world. You need to define help. I'm sorry. Define help. Help in? Okay, you use the word as help. Now, help could be immediately cash flow, money, pay. Mm -hmm. Or it could be you know, long-term, I like it. Very good transition because that's what we're going to go into next. Is for most of us in this room, 
we are not in dire straits. We may be, you know, monetarily stressed, but none of us are starving. None of us are on the street homeless. So we're at a certain level. There's a, there's a term, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which basically says you have to meet these needs first, and then there's a decreasing triangle. And one of those needs is the basic stability of a place to live, food to eat, family around us, whatever. Thank goodness most of us have that. If you don't have that, yeah, you gotta, you got to get that base level back and established. That is goal number one, and that may mean taking a job that you're not exactly thrilled with. But, again, be engaged with it, be active, be proactive in your things, and realize in your own mind, I am taking this job because I need the money right now. I will not stop looking for the next better job. That makes sense? Too often, as I said earlier on, we stop looking. We get that job and it's boom. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Because it's stressful to worry about that stuff. It's, it's, you know, you got to be thinking all the time, who am I meeting, what am I doing? And, and we, we do tend to just say, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I, I encourage you, don't do that. Because what will happen is you will get blindsided by something that happens totally outside of your control and you won't have prepared for what is really an eventuality for all of us. All of us now will have multiple jobs in our careers. We will often have multiple careers in our, in our lifetime. We need to be thinking about that. This is not the 30 years in a gold watch environment. I, being born in 1964, the last year of the baby boom, am probably the last generation who could actually look at that 30 years in a gold watch thing and say, yeah, maybe that, even when I was coming up, it didn't exist any longer in the 80s. But we still held that thought as being, you went to one company, you stayed at a company for 30 years, and you, and you retired. Nowadays, in 2015, it's been dead a long time. And I do counsel people to get, to get out of that mindset. That's just not the way it works. And it only worked that way up through about the 60s. Once we have our basic needs met, you actually have some stability in your life. And what I do recommend you do is use these tiny little bits of stability as springboards that allow you to do other things. First of all, you have to, you have to recognize the stability in your life. If you have a current job now, if you have enough uh, income right now, you have enough savings right now to get you by, you can kind of say, okay, you know, I'm not going to rest on those laurels, but I'm, I'm not going to be out on the street. Okay? Recognize that stability and say, that's a good thing. I have that. That's something that I don't need to worry about. This allows us to look outward then to new and different environments, new and different jobs, new and different careers, and investigate some of these things that perhaps we've actually thought about in the past but never, never took the time to do. Because again, once we're stuck in a job, we, we don't think about these things anymore. We stop thinking about this hobby or that or this particular career or I want to be on the Mars mission that's <laughs> you know, going to go to Mars in you know, the next several decades or whatever. Those types of thoughts often leave us when we have too much stability in our lives. Now, I know it seems, uh, how can you have too much stability in our lives? Um, I mean, we strive so hard for our cars, our houses, our children, our families. But what it means is we actually forget how to transition. We forget how to engage in change. 
just like a muscle that doesn't get used, it starts to atrophy. And that risk muscle that we all need in our lives for big and small things starts to atrophy. We get stuck. We get stalled by our own success is actually the phrase I have in my notes here. And I'm sure you've met people like that. They have a decent job at a decent company and they hate it because <laughs> it's boring. They are totally stable. They are what we would all seem to prescribe to as, oh, that's a perfect job. It's stable. It pays well. It doesn't have a three-hour commute, whatever. But they're trapped. And I know we've all met people like that, that they get up, they have the coffee, they go to work, they come home, they turn on the TV, they go to bed, they get up the next morning, go to work. Okay? We've all, some of us have probably been in that situation. I know I have where the job was the job and that was, that was life and, and then one morning you wake up and go, is that all there is? <laughs> Peggy Lee, I believe, song was. Is that all there is? Um, and that's a situation where you actually have an excess of stability. You have removed risk from your life to such an extent that you're no longer growing. You're no longer progressing. You have become almost tree-like. <laughs> you know, the roots have grown and you're still alive. And you're still doing stuff, but boy, are you rooted in place. Don't be stalled by your own success. Okay? Take the stability you have and use it as a springboard for other great things. The reason you have to exercise this risk muscle is, as many of you are finding out, stability is fragile. Okay? It can go away like that. Two years ago, I was sitting watching television and all of a sudden noticed I started to have a pain right here. It's like, that's nasty, kind of indigestion or something like that. And a couple hours later, I'm hurting more until the point I'm doubled up on the floor and finally have to go in and wake my wife up at three or four in the morning and say, you know our family rule about not going to the emergency room? <laughs> You're taking me to the emergency room. Yeah, my gallbladder decided to try and kill me. Uh, <laughs> and um, that all of a sudden was like, okay, stability, what stability? How's she got to do her work and get the boy to school? Now I'm going to be in the hospital for, ended up being in the hospital for five days. Uh, had a, you know, basically my gallbladder tried to kill me. It went septic and, and was a very nasty situation. Um, stability, what stability? <laughs> Wee! Everything just gets thrown in the air and you've got to figure it out again. And that's what can happen. It can happen at any moment of any day. It weighs big, weighs small. Yeah, but it's how you react to it. It's how you react to it. And uh, if you keep that risk muscle exercised, if you're constantly out there learning new things, doing new things, investigating new things, and when I may say doing new things, you don't even have to, I learned how to, do archery a few years ago because my son got into it. Not something I'd ever thought of doing, not something I needed to do, but you know what? It was fun. And, it's like, and it was relatively inexpensive to get into. We actually did some free lessons for a long time at our archery range. And it was fun. And it was like, what does it hurt to go out and shoot arrows for a while and engage in some activity like that that, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but why not? tiny, tiny little risk. You wouldn't even really call it a risk. It was just engaging in something new. 
But I actually found it to be very zen-like. It was very relaxing to go out and shoot. You usually shoot an end of six arrows from each distance, and, and it's, it's you, you shoot, you recover, you go back, you shoot. You're, it's very, very meditative, I found. Why wouldn't you do that? You're not changing anything dramatic in your life, but what you are doing is you're exercising that wrist muscle. You're being open to new things that just happen to walk into your life. Doesn't mean you have to do everything that comes along. Doesn't mean you have to do everything that comes along for a long period of time. You just have to look at it, engage with it, investigate it, think about it. Thinking about it is the lowest level. Just think, oh, that's sort of interesting. I wonder, I've never really done that before. Why, maybe I should, let's go try that. And you can, there's so many things out there you can actually try for free or, you know, learn on your own. I'm a very, um, what they call an autodidact, to, to be <laughs> fancy about it. I'm a self-teacher. I learn myself. I, my wife went back and got her master's degree and her PhD later in life, and she asked me if I wanted to go do it with her. It's like, no. <laughs> I prefer to take whatever method comes along. I, a topic comes up in my mind. Uh, I'll see something at the library, and I'll just grab the book, and I'll start to learn about it. And I'll go down the rabbit hole, as I say. I'll learn everything about beekeeping for a month or whatever. Um, not that I'll pursue that as a career, or, but it's just what little things can I learn from this new thing in my life? Because everything has a unique aspect about it. What little thing can I learn from beekeeping that I can apply in my career or in my life? about how to maintain things or how to, there's, there's always lessons to be learned, like from archery, regardless of how it may directly relate to your career. Avoid being comfortable for too long. There's an old phrase, journalism is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And sometimes you need to afflict your own comfortable level uh, and engage in something new and exercise that wrist muscle because it can be a situation which I consider a deadly situation in your life and your career is not only do you not like being uncomfortable you no longer know how to be uncomfortable and by that I mean when presented with a turmoil like going into the hospital or problems with your child or problems with your career, whatever, you freak out. You simply no longer know how to deal with major situations like that in your life. You've become too comfortable. You got the nice house, a nice car, a nice family, and something gets dropped in the middle of that. And for many people, it can bring them to their knees because they have been stable and comfortable for so long, they have not exercised that wrist muscle in any way, not even doing archery or learning a new programming language or anything, that when a major change does show up in their life, it can be quite striking and quite dramatic in their response to it. And what that often means, if it doesn't take them down entirely, it delays an appropriate response to whatever that new risk is they go around in their head about why is this happening to me, you know, the, the whole conflict of how do I deal with this? And then finally they can, you know, move on to dealing with it. What I'm saying is if you exercise that wrist muscle regularly, you'll be less inclined to fall in that situation. You'll simply be able to roll with the punches better in everything you do. This also follows some advice, not just for careers, but for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. A lot of work on Alzheimer's that Dr. Parker said, don't sit there watching I Love Lucy stuff. You get out there, do puzzles, go meet people, get a social network, go do these things. We found every time we teach people that way, 
we actually able to forestall or reduce the Alzheimer's? But he said, if you don't, we, we often talk about the brain as a muscle. It's not really a muscle, but it has similarities in that the more you use it, the more you use it. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think that's something that <laughs> I know a lot of people who are really stable in their careers and their life and everything, and that, you know, they tend to veg out. And it's like you, you go over to dinner with them and like try to have a conversation with them about something. And you're like, they're just, they don't, they're not engaging with the world. And so it's very difficult to do that. And I don't think any of us really want to be in that situation. None of us want to f be closed off. Uh, I often say, you know, back in the day, you actually retired from a job. I started my career, I never have any thought of retiring officially from anything. I'll never retire. I'm always going to be doing something. I'll be out speaking about careers when I'm 95 or whatever. If nothing else, I'll be talking about gardening, which is another one of my topics that I, I go out and, and write about and talk about. I don't, I, for me, growing up, that was not even a concept of this whole retirement thing. But yet today, I meet people my age and younger who think that's what they're going to do. They're going to have this really crappy job and work themselves in the ground 80, 90, 100 hours a week, and then they're going to retire. And they will go mad. They will go utterly out of their minds because they won't know what to do with all that time. Because they've been filling everything else you know, with, with the busyness of their career. One of the careers I went to met the president of the president said, what do you want your tombstone? I said, tombstone? I don't have my damn tombstone. I'm dead. Good, you're not dead yet. So no one will be able to read it. No one will be able to read it on Jupiter anyway, That's right? right. <laughs> I plan on being part of the great red spot on Jupiter. Just send me up there somewhere. That's where I'm going. Um, don't look at stability or expect stability as an end goal. It's nice when you have it. It's nice to enjoy the benefits of it, but it can be a very alluring thing to have sometimes. You want to be like a boat or a ship and roll with the waves and know that those waves are coming. Whenever I go out on the ocean, went out to Santa Cruz Island a few, few months ago to see the island foxes out there, I place myself, I'm not, luckily I don't get seasick, but I love standing on the bow of the boat and watching the waves, watching the rollers come in and riding with the waves. That is just one of my favorite things to do. I enjoy that feeling and that sensation so much. I don't want to be inside the cabin going to be you know, banged around inside the, inside the cabin trying not to spill my coffee. I like to be out there on the front and engaging. It's funny that word keeps coming up, but engaging in, in the world that I'm out on. Uh, I don't get out on the ocean a lot, so I want to be part of it when I'm out there. And that's what you want to be in your life and your career. You want to look out there and see what waves are coming. Know there are going to be waves because cyclical nature of life in general, there's going to be waves out there. You want to be looking out there and seeing what's coming and engaging in it. You want to be rolling with them. You don't want to be plowing into them, plowing through them, or letting it capsize you when, when they strike you from the side, okay? But it's only by engaging with it and watching it and being part of your life and career that that really happens. Transition, and this, this 
throws people off a little bit when I say this phrase, but transition is a force for good in our lives and in our careers. And many of us do not see it that way. We are fearful of it. It is the saber-toothed cat outside the cave door. When I last gave this talk, off the top of my head, I came up with a metaphor is, don't think of it as a saber-toothed cat outside the cave door. Think about it as a domesticated cat keeping the rats out of your cave and sitting by your side and keeping you warm. It is a good factor in our lives. It brings wonderful new things into our lives and our careers that we need to thrive as human beings. If you become too scared of it and avoid it at all costs, I think, personally, that you are limiting your lives. Now, I'm not saying you need to go and jump out of an airplane, climb a volcano, base jump off a skyscraper. Okay, I have no desire to throw myself out, out of a perfectly functional aircraft. But you can do simple things every day. Go to a new coffee shop. Go to a new store. Go investigate a hobby you've never thought about before. Talk to someone you've never talked to before. Travel somewhere. Travel is so important. And, and unfortunately, these days, we, you, you either there's kind of two sets of people. They either travel a lot or they don't travel at all, even within their local area. Drive to Ojai. Drive to Santa Barbara. Drive up to San Luis Obispo like I did the other day, Wednesday, and, and do a conference. Engage with the people and the new things around you because that will fuel the rest of your life. Even if you don't see how that's going to apply, even if you don't see how archery is going to apply to your life, you'll learn something. That's the way I often read books. I'll be in the library, and one of my favorite things to do at the library is I go to the area called the sorting shelves. Everyone know where the sorting shelves are in their library? That's where the books come back after they've been returned and they're resorted back into their basic areas so that the staff can then reshelve them on the, on the proper shelves. I worked in a library in college. That's how I know these things. <laughs> <laughs> that was my college stuff. Um, serendipity hits you every time you look at the sorting shelves. Someone will have taken out a cookbook or a biography or a mystery novel, and you just go to the sorting shelves and just kind of browse through and say, what, what have other people been reading lately? And I guarantee you, you will find something interesting that you'll want to take home that you never would have thought about on your own you never would have heard about in any other way, but the serendipitous nature, that act of stumbling across something, will suddenly pique your interest. Bing, there's your little risk for the day. What, how big of a risk is that? Okay, there's no risk at all, really, but compared to doing nothing, it's an amazing risk. And it exercises that muscle. Use transition as something to be cultivated engaged and used as a tool to improve your life. How many people remember Venn diagrams from their math class, right? You know, little circles, you have intersections, unions, no, no intersection, right? If you were to draw a Venn diagram of the interests in your life, and for me, you know, I can do, I won't step out of the camera, but I can do gardening, I can do technology, I can do careers, I can do new media, podcasting, uh, painting, I've, you know, whatever. I drew circles of those and how they overlapped with each other. For me right now, careers in new media are overlapping a lot. It's at the edges. It's at those sections where interests bump up against one another that all the great stuff happens. Don't compartmentalize your life. 
There is something to be learned from all of your interests that apply to all the other interests if you seek them out. If you look at those areas where things bump up against each other, that's where cool, neat, new stuff in your life is going to expose itself to you. And that could be the exact place that a new career will expose itself to you. If you have this opportunity now, at least for a short period of time, to think about what else you might like to do with your career, I highly recommend, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, obviously you have financial skills. You have a head for finances, you worked in a bank, you may or may not like that. <laughs> okay. You also, I have a friend who does, uh, who actually spins her own wool and knits, right? Is there some way that we can combine knitting and yarn with my financial knowledge? Can I start a company that sells fine alpaca yarns? Can I start an alpaca farm? Because it's something I enjoy working with the animals and doing this particular thing and it's a way to make money. Who knows? But if I think about it, hey, it's worth thinking about. Because that may spin off additional ideas and additional new thoughts. It's in the act of looking at all this stuff that these new ideas spin off. <clears throat> and it's these new ideas <clears throat> excuse me, that help us through any transition in our lives, big or small. You need to take that opportunity to look to the fringes, look to the edges, think about things maybe you've never thought about before, and see where that might lead you. For me, transition is where the magic happens in our lives. No new amazing thing happens in our lives without a major transition. Anyone who's had children, <laughs> my son is now 17, <laughs> knows that, wow, what a transition point and what a number of transition points within that one transition point that has spun off, well, as I said, I would have never taken up archery if it hadn't been for him. I'd have never learned how to throw knives and axes, which we also did with the same group. Uh, I would have not been able to build a battle bot that he's not able to do, stuff like this. It's at those fringes, and it's, it's really where the magic happens. And if I can do anything today, I want you to take a new attitude towards transition, a new attitude towards change, a new attitude towards risk. Again, not asking you to jump out of a plane, but to look at it in a different way as not being something that is foisted upon us even though it might be right now, but something that we can actually engage in ourselves, take the reins of, and ride that horse into the future, off into the sunset of the Chatsworth Hills, <laughs> of the Simi Hills, and build something better in our lives, in our careers. That's all I have today for my prepared remarks. I'm free to answer any questions you might have. Yes? I do have a question about when you were talking about that it's okay to say no to a job. But in EDD's eyes, how do they look at why did you say no to a job? And I have to tell you, uh, this is hard to do sometimes. Um, you have to think what is best for you. And it's, it's sometimes we, we give up that power. I know I, I'm really bad at it myself, of thinking about myself sometimes. It's not being selfish. It is engaging and being in control of your career. And yes, EDD, well, because that's their job is to make sure you have a job. Mm -hmm. Okay, no one can care about your career as much as you do. It's simply impossible. Not the person next to you, not your boss, not your family, not your... No one can care as much about it as you do. Therefore, you should be the one that's in control. And you should be the one building that career to the best of the ability. Uh, you may 
it may mean you have to go out and find other opportunities. If that one didn't work, yes, you're going to have to go back to and say, well, yes, I'm sorry, that one didn't work for me, but I'm also researching these other opportunities. That will help to assuage their fears a little bit that you're not trying. Um, but again, your end goal is to get a career that suits you best and will and support you and provide you what you need both monetarily and mentally for the coming years. Okay, And I know it's hard but it's something you do need to stand up for yourself. Everything I've written about in careers, my entire career opportunities column, comes out of not about pleasing other people with your career. Not about res I don't write about resumes or interviewing skills. There's so many people who do that so much better than I do. I frankly, I hate resumes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the wide end of the spectrum. I wish we could burn them all. Um, <laughs> but it always comes back to about your career. When I write about careers, it's about you. It's about what you want and what you do for your career. The subtitle for the podcast is Helping to Build the Career You Deserve. And so everything I write about it is from that direction. Because I think, too often, we are much more focused on the external factors. The hiring managers, the EDDs, the, the interviewers, the, the, the application takers. We're so focused out there, which we have to focus out there a bit, because we have to you know, get through that door. But we so overweigh that side that we don't take the time to think about this side. And I know in my own career that was the case. And I have always fought against that. And that's, again, the writing I do is all based on things that happen in my own life. And it's been a struggle. But you've got to think, what is best for me? It may not be best. what's best for your, for your manager, your boss, your company, your spouse. But you do have to at least think about what is best for me. And then you'll have to decide you know, what the compromise needs to be made. But start there. Start there. Yes? Uh, you don't necessarily have to get into an EDD dilemma. Um, if it's salary negotiation, you might get uh, in, into it. But if, if it, what's causing you to turn it down is something other than that, you may be able to make that decision earlier in the process and tell them, no, I'm not interested, don't send me an offer. And then if they haven't sent you an offer, you don't have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to tell EDD either. So, yeah, right. you know, well, it uh, says right on the application, did you no I would we would never tell you to lie on the form uh, but <laughs> what do you want hey requirements or it's more of a negotiation it's not like you turns down job Commute. I mean, that's that's a scary thing. We were talking about that. I was talking about with someone earlier about commute times. You know, when I first moved here 28 years ago, I could commute to the city. I could commute from the valley to the basin, and not really. It was not perfect, but it was certainly not the hour long to hour and a half long trek it is today. Uh, I would be very hard pressed to take a job in the basin uh, at this point because merely you'd lose two to three hours. I actually worked down there for a while. I worked in Santa Monica for a while, and you, you would lose two to three hours out of your day, easily, just in the car. You know that you've been in the car too long when every conversation you have starts with, you know, I heard an NPR today. <laughs> and I, there was a part, there was a time in my life when that exactly, that's exactly what happened. Everything I said was prefaced with, you know, I heard an NPR the other day, because I was spending way too much time in the car. Other questions? You guys are going to go out, engage in transition, right? 
You're going to take the reins in your own hands, I hope. If nothing else, I hope that's what I brought you today. Thank you so much for having me out today. This has been Career Opportunities with Douglas E. Welch. You can find links to Career Opportunities, all my social media accounts, and everything else that I do at douglaselwelch.com. I'd love to hear what's happening in your career and any questions you might have. Contact me at career at welchright.com, post to our social media pages, add a comment on the website, or call our reader listener line at 818-804-5049. If you enjoy Career Opportunities, please subscribe to the blog and podcast, join our mailing list, and share links with your friends, family, and professional contacts. Each one of these helps to spread the word about Career Opportunities to others. Thanks for listening, and please join me for the next episode of Career Opportunities.